Buonasera! My name is Marcello. I am a tour leader with Explore. Ciao! Come, follow me. Behind this 200 year old gate is the best view of one of Rome's finest fountains. Ah, oh, bellissima! Look at the Renaissance detail, the sunlight in the bronze! Not everyone knows about Turtle Fountain, but you will if you explore. Search explore.co.uk and don't just travel, explore. Are you, like me, a spinster? Are you single, child-free and tired of the stigma attached to your situation in life? Are you actually having a bloody great time living your best life while all of your friends are tied up with their husbands and kids? If you think being a spinster is actually pretty awesome and you want to change the old-fashioned narrative, you want people to realize that not having a relationship or kids gives you the freedom to live a fabulous life all on your own terms. If this is you, then you've come to the right place. If, on the other hand, you're a spinster who isn't feeling quite so great about it, you've also come to the right place. Because I want you to feel great about it. I want you to know that your life is just as valid, valuable, and meaningful as anyone else's. If you're also interested in personal growth and working on yourself to become the best possible version of you, then you're in luck. Because we're also going to be talking about my other obsession, personal development and how we can use the extra time we've been gifted due to our lack of relationship in children and use that time to really become the people we want to be. I'm excited and I hope you are too. Join me every Tuesday for episodes with just me or me and one of my brilliant guests. My name is Lucy Megason. I'm so glad that you're here. Welcome to Spinsterhood Reimagined. Welcome back to Spinsterhood Reimagined. Um, I hope you are all well. I'm very, very excited about my guest this week. She's someone who I really wanted to get on the podcast. Um, her name is Shaney Silver. She is a fabulous American woman. She lives in New Orleans. She relatively recently moved there from Brooklyn, where she lived for many, many years. Shaney is just awesome and she is such an incredibly powerful voice for the single community. She has an amazing podcast which I love called A Single Serving Podcast and she is also the author of A Single Revolution, Don't Look for a Match, Light One, which is a fantastic book and I highly, highly, highly recommend it. So without further ado, here she is. Hope you guys enjoy it. I am so excited to welcome today's guest, Shaney Silver, 
host of the brilliant, brilliant podcast, A Single Serving Podcast, and the author of the book, A Single Revolution, Don't Look for a Match, Light One, possibly the best book title ever. I love it. Shaney, welcome. Thank you so, so much for being on this podcast. I'm so genuinely excited to have you here. How are you doing? Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure to be on your podcast. I'm doing well. Um, Making podcasts is one of my favorite things to do in the world. So I'm having an absolutely fantastic day. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for asking. Now, actually, before we get into the subject, into the meat of this podcast, you're in New Orleans, aren't you? I am. am How is it? I'm so jealous. Well, I'll say this. There's still a global pandemic. So how it is, is... um, interesting to say the least. I feel like every city in the world is is a little bit less bright because we can't really experience it to the fullest in a, in a totally safe way. So it's been um, kind of a, a, a muted version of New Orleans from the one that I've known and loved and visited for years, but it is wonderful in so many ways. I have such a um, abundance of friends here that are nearby. Um, it's just, it's, it was a wonderful move for me. I'm looking very forward to my first Mardi Gras as a local. I'm making custom N95 masks for every single parade. I'm so excited. Um, February, right? Yeah. It's so it's like the last weekend in February because Mardi Gras day is March 1st. So yeah, but between now and then there are constant parades and things to do. Mardi Gras is known around the world as one day, but in New Orleans, it's actually two months long. So there's just so much to do. And I'm, I'm really hoping to stay healthy and, and to be able to participate in as much of it as possible. So New Orleans is fantastic and it is a move that really felt right for me at the time. And yeah, I miss New York, but I'm really loving this new adventure. So before we sort of start talking about your podcast and the book and just this subject in general, can you tell any listeners who don't already know a little bit about yourself just to put it in context? Sure. You know, I don't get asked this question very often. And I feel like lately I've felt so arrogant and just assuming that people know who I am and and what I do. Um, I'm a writer and a podcaster. And a few years ago, I decided that I was really tired of the content that was created for single women because all of it pertained to dating. And if the only content ever made specifically for you is about dating and fixing something that is wrong with you or helping you find the one thing that you don't have, it it really says a lot about how the world sees you and what the world thinks you should care about. But, you know, after a really long and really difficult singlehood, I spent about 10 years, as I would describe it, like in the shit, it was just awful. It was really hard and fruitless and punishing at times. And after about 10 years of that, you know, searching for a relationship and never once finding one, I really started to evaluate why I was trying so hard. Like, what was I trying to run from? What was so bad about singlehood that I, I was so desperate to just find someone already? And the more I, I explored singlehood, the more I realized how much I had been lied to about what it actually is, because singlehood is fantastic. There are so many wonderful components of it, and they aren't consolation prizes either. It's not, this is a life that's good enough for a single girl. No, it's actually fantastic. And I'm tired of dulling the shine on singlehood because we've been taught to exalt those in couples. And for some reason, talking positively about singlehood is somehow an affront to couples. I just couldn't vibe with that. I wanted to create a space where singlehood was celebrated 
and the people who were single were celebrated in a way that was on par with the ways that we unabashedly celebrate couples. I didn't see it. So I just created the content that I wanted to see because I had to believe I wasn't the only one who was exhausted and frustrated and really um, offended that singlehood had been painted as this terrible, terrible thing when in reality, it's fantastic. And more people need to know it's fantastic because the worst time to figure out how great singlehood can be is the day you get married. So let's love it now, because if we want relationships, I believe that eventually we will have them. Um, But before we have those relationships, I want us to appreciate the singlehood that is in front of us now. So that's why I do what I do, who I am, writer and podcaster. I live in New Orleans. I used to live in New York. I used to live in Philly. I used to live in Chicago. I used to live in LA. I used to live in Austin. I've lived everywhere. Um, except London. It's the only thing that is still remaining on the list. My stepdad still sometimes will be like, yeah, I keep waiting for you to call me and tell me that you're moving to London. I'm like, "Hmm, wait, but yeah, I, um, I love what I do. I love, um, I love challenging narratives and I feel very privileged that I get to have this career that I built for myself. Um, it's great. I've had a lot of different jobs, a lot of different careers before this one, but this is the one that feels the most like me. This is the one that makes me thrilled to wake up every morning. And I do a little bit of that work too. I, I hope that I communicate effectively that um, we should love what we do and, and pursue what we love um, because I think that is another wonderful, wonderful part of being a single person. Shaney, do you know, there's so many things I want to go into about what you've just said, but what I'll start by saying, because this is actually, this is one of the things I wanted to remember to say to you, which is that when I discovered your podcast and when I first listened to it, I was honestly taken aback because it was like, oh my God, this girl is literally reading my mind. And it almost freaked me out a little bit because I've, I've some of the things that I say, and I, I'm, I'm writing a book at the moment, or I've written the first draft, it's currently with an, with an editor, but in the book I talk about, there was one point that you made and I say almost like, almost in exactly the same words. And I want to get into this now because I find it so interesting. And when you said that, it was like, oh, my God, this girl just literally we are we are just, you know, I'm resonating with her so majorly. And I've also said it in in one of the first episodes of this podcast. If you're single or if you're in a relationship, they are on the same level. One is not worse. One is not better. If you're single, it's great. If you're in a relationship, it's great. If you're single, it can be shit. If you're in a relationship, it can be shit. So like I say, being single and being part of a couple are two different things that exist on exactly the same level. We need more podcasts like these to start changing this narrative. But can you just go into that in a little bit more detail? Of course. There is no one way to exist as an adult that is more valid than another way. And um, if we were meant to operate in couples, I believe that we would just be assigned a partner at birth. Like it would be no different than eye color. Like if that was the way we were meant to be, if that's the only way that's acceptable to fit into society, to be understood and accepted in society, then society can go ahead and provide me with a partner (laughs) because I've been looking for 14 years and ain't found one. So I'm tired of, of these narratives that tell us the only way that you are fully adult there's a gigantic plane flying over my head. I'm so sorry. There's very little I can do about this and oh it's gosh, going to happen no, no, for a few not, minutes. Please do not worry. It adds to the whole atmosphere of this podcast. You know, it really just, get, it spices Seriously. it up. 
exactly put a little put a little pepper on it totally Um, we first started actually there was a bit I I live in a big house which has got 11 flats within the house and there was a baby screaming in the corridor I was like perfect timing isn't it actually because mm -hmm. one one great thing about podcasts is that and actually you and I were having sound issues weren't we at the the very beginning actually the great thing about podcasts and so many that I listen to you realize that it doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be perfect. And if there is some kind of weird noise or a dog barking or a baby screaming, whatever, it's like, this is just, it's become the norm. And Mm -hmm. even some really big name podcast people, the same thing happens to them. And you just think, sod, it doesn't matter. (laughs) I have a running joke with my podcast audience because for a long time when I was recording from Brooklyn, no matter what time I would set the recording with my guests, could be morning, night, afternoon, it didn't matter. That would be when my recycling would be taken out in the hallway. It's never every time it was just so it was comical at a certain point, but they were always like, we don't care. I'm like, okay, great. If you don't care, I'll try not to care. But I'm very, I'm one of those people. It's very easily distracted by auditory um, stuff happening around me. For example, I have no idea what I was talking about 30 seconds ago, like zero. (laughs) I have no idea. Oh, I was talking about how being in a couple and being single are are both valid ways to exist as a human being. In, um, in general, though, that just putting this immense amount of responsibility on single people, m- more likely than not uh, single women, speaking from a heterosexual perspective, um, putting this responsibility on us while simultaneously not helping us the fuck out at all, um, I find it to be really upsetting and frustrating, and I don't have to be quiet about that. I get to talk about that because um, I think that the frustrations and the insults really and the single shaming that comes at single women it's multi-layered because not only are you telling us we shouldn't be single um, but you're completely ignoring all of the effort we've already put in to not being single anymore so don't tell me not to be single if you're not also going to help me out with that little project because modern dating has become incredibly difficult it is not the fun, lighthearted, frivolous moment that has so often been depicted for us in television, in film, in music. That's not what's happening. And if you don't believe me, talk to literally any single woman on earth and ask her, um, well, actually don't ask anyone how dating is going. That's none of your business. But if she has the bandwidth and space to contribute her thoughts on what the modern dating landscape is like, if she can do that, let her and, and educate yourself a little bit. If you are that single person though, you never have to answer that question. If someone says, how's dating going? You can tell them, I don't talk about that. Thanks. Next topic. In general, I just don't buy that the only way we're allowed to be considered valid human beings is in couples in pairs. It just, um, I know too much to the contrary to continue to believe this. So yeah, the notion that one way of living deserves to be celebrated and deserves to be considered right and valid and whole while the other one deserves nothing but shame. Um, I'm not buying that lie anymore and I don't want other people to buy it either. And I want to um, scream it as loudly as I can because single people don't deserve to feel bad just because they're single, but the world keeps doing its best to make them feel that way. And I don't think it's fair. Absolutely. And it's funny because you mentioned the word shame and it's funny because I have 100% felt that too, obviously. And whilst I think things are moving forward, moving being the operative word, there is still such a freaking long way to go. And it is not okay that there is still this negative stigma around it. Going back to what you were saying about your many years of dating in, in New York, 
I'm fascinated by this. I'm fascinated because it's a fascinating subject anyway, but I'm fascinated by it not least because I've never done internet dating. And you won't know about my relationship history, but long story short, I've been single now for four years or just over four years. Previous to that, I was in a relationship for only two and a half years. And previous to that relationship, I was single for five years. So I'm right there with you. But despite those years, I never went down the internet dating route. And all I can say is that I've never felt that it was for me. There's always been basically my intuition just always just said, no, I just didn't feel the need or the desire. You know, I'm grateful. I never felt um, particularly you know, any sort of urgency or desperate need to get a boyfriend. And I suppose if we're talking about internet dating is the way to get a boyfriend, which in itself irritates the crap out of me, because I don't know about you, but I kind of feel like, guys, what about all the other ways, all the organic ways that we can still get a boyfriend or girlfriend or husband or wife or whatever? Because actually, those ways still exist. Do you know what I mean? And I've had conversations with, with, with girlfriends of mine where they're talking about internet dating as if there's no other way of meeting someone. And I'm like, but actually, world, the thing is that, yes, internet dating is a new, uh, you know, add-on, but, but that's what it is. It's an add-on. It's not a replacement for the way that we used to meet people. I mean, we can still meet people in the same way. But anyway, so I, sorry, I've gone off on a bit of a tangent, but so I have never done internet dating So my question to you, before we go back to talking about the stigma and what that feels like and how that's manifested in your life, can you please tell me like a best and a worst internet dating story, if you wouldn't mind? So here's the thing. I do mind. I don't actually tell dating stories anymore because I feel like single people's dating stories are not entertainment, but they are touted as that over brunch far too often. What I will do instead is I will tell you the two reasons I left online dating and further why I permanently left online dating. Two reasons are this, um, and they both pertain to something I call competing goals. When I was online dating, I felt like I was one face on a buffet of faces being swiped through by a contingent of human beings who were essentially trying to get laid while I was trying to get married. That's what I felt like all of the time. And again, this is a super heterosexual perspective, but I just felt like our goals did not match. I was trying to have something real. And all the men that I was encountering were very obviously just looking for something extremely temporary. Um, It was almost, I, I felt like I was being used as free sex work. That's the way that online dating made me feel. Oh my God. And um, I respect sex work very much. I think it should be legalized and regulated and a healthy experience for everyone involved because right now it's illegal and unregulated and that scares me. So um, that's what I was made to feel like. Like I was a sex worker who wasn't being paid and um, I didn't want to be there because of that. And the second reason I quit online dating was something very logical dawned on me. Online dating is one of the very few, if not only (laughs) industries where if their product works, they make less money because when you find someone, yes, if you find someone on a dating app, that's the day they lose your money. What incentive do they ever have to make sure that you find someone? Yeah. Zero. That's such an interesting perspective. I just don't see how 
they care at all. They've created a completely consequenceless space for individuals to access other individuals. I personally think that every dating app should come with a therapist and they don't. Um, they're a toy that did not come with instructions. And we have no concept of the long-term mental health effects of dating apps. Instead, what we do is we cling to these success stories because our friend met someone on a dating app and now they're married. I'm not really concerned with the people who meet on dating apps because in my mind, they're algorithmic accidents and no one who's in love wants to think that theirs was an accident, but hear me, horror stories are the norm. Success stories are are the anomalies. And if that's what's happening, we really need to reevaluate this industry, but nobody is because the industry is making too much money. I don't care about the people who meet. I care about the hundreds of thousands of people who don't. That's who I care about. And it doesn't seem like anyone cares about them as long as they continue to glean their money from their hope. Is that not one of the most fucked up things you've ever heard? And it's just happening all day, every day. And it just makes a now I'm sweating. Now I'm sweating. This is what happens. Now I'm sweating. <laughs> wow. I mean, gosh, it's such an interesting and disturbing when you put it like that topic to think about. And I suppose if I'm completely honest, I've never given it that much thought and certainly not in the way that you are talking about now but my god when you say that yeah it does make you think what is actually going on here and actually it's so much more you know I think you used the word frivolous earlier on in this conversation to describe quite remember was to describe the whole concept of dating or internet dating but you know what is kind of touted as being something that is oh let's try some internet dating la 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 is actually so much darker than that and it just makes me think well you know what there's another, as if we needed another reason to stay single, there is one right there. Because if internet dating is is as good as it gets, then, you know, frankly, we can do without it, can't we? Um, going back to what we were saying about the whole stigma around, and this is the narrative, obviously, that you and I are trying to change because God knows it needs changing. When it comes to stigma, Can you tell me a bit about how you have felt that over the last, say, 10 years of your life? How has that manifested and how has it made you feel? The stigma and shame of being a single woman have, as they do for many, they've taken me to some very, very dark places mentally. Some of the most painful moments of my life have been those moments where I've reflected on the fact that everyone else is partnering and I'm not. And what's wrong with me? Why can't I find someone? The the abject frustration of being a woman in your early thirties and seeing couple after couple after couple forming all around you, seeing people that you've, you've known in long-term relationships break up and then immediately start dating someone new and marry that person over and over and over and over again. How much of this can we be made to take? And I stopped taking it because I removed myself from that headspace where that kind of shit could affect me at all. It has nothing to do with me. Other people partnering, other people falling in love has nothing to do with me. And it can only reflect something back to me if I allow it to. Unfortunately, we live in a society that encourages me to look at what other people have and compare myself and feel bad about myself and buy things to help me find a husband. Um, But I've chosen to remove myself from that narrative because it does not serve me. And it doesn't have to. There's no requirement that I have to look at what other people are, are Uh, finding and think that there's something wrong with me because I can't find it too. I instead get to look at myself and my personal history. And instead of 
seeing myself as lacking, I see myself as someone who was being protected. I was being protected from the wrong relationships for me that entire time because I have never met, gone out on a date with, spoken to, nothing. I have never come into contact with a human being that I would want to marry in my entire life. So I know that that has not happened for me yet. And I still have that to look forward to. And that's another thing that we like to ignore all the time is that single people still have finding their person and meeting them to look forward to. I think that's amazing. And by the way, I don't need a meet cute. I don't need some ridiculous like Bravo TV meet cute with meeting my partner. I really don't need that. What I need instead <laughs> is, is the right relationship for me and an amazing <laughs> connection with someone. That's all I need. You've just made me yeah. think of something, Shady, before I forget. I've just turned 46, right? I turned, for, I turned 46 on, on January the 1st. So hello, 46. Loving you so far. 2022, loving you so far. Um, and it's that whole thing of, I'm sure you've had the head tilts where you'll see, you'll be having a conversation with someone and it'll come up that you're, you know, still, don't even go there with that word, single, still single. And you kind of feel like saying, but just because I'm 46, that doesn't mean I can't fall in love between now and the age of 96. Like I could fall in love at any age. It's just this, this ridiculous notion. You know, one thing I will say is that, that I actually think that once you've kind of, um, because I'm 46, I've kind of gone through the whole kids thing, right? So it's clear I'm, I'm very, very, very unlikely to have kids now, not least because um, I'm going through the early menopause, but Hey, Everyone doesn't need to know about that, but I am. So there you go. Um, And actually, the funny thing is, is the older you get, once kids are kind of off the table, it takes the pressure off almost because you're not suddenly trying, you know, desperate to meet someone so you can have a baby. And but anyway, you can meet someone at 75 and fall in love and it can be just as good and just as meaningful as meeting someone when you're, when you're 27 and a half and then you, you know, you can date them for three years and then you're the perfect age to get married and then you're the perfect age to have kids. Do you know what I mean? Of course I know what you mean, but we won't be as young and fresh and beautiful at, at an age past when the patriarchy deems women to be of value. So it won't matter as much. It won't be as valid. It won't be as exciting. Oh, yeah. God, I've got shit. You've just reminded me that I'm totally past it. What will become of me? <laughs> it's like you're 46. You're not dead. I'm so tired of one lifetime line being acceptable and all the other ones being a consolation prize. And, and here's the only reason why this makes me angry because I don't care what people think of me and I don't care at what age I fall in love and have a relationship or the ages because I have enough time left in my life to have multiple relationships, by the way. Um, why I care is that not every single woman knows this yet. And there are women at home by themselves right now, literally crying with frustration and anger and sadness and, and just pain so much pain because the world is not supporting them. The world is just telling them that they are devaluing by the day, like a dairy product. That's why I care because I need more women to hear this. Oh, I need more I women to snap out of this bullshit life treadmill that is just like, find and find and find and find and find. It's, it's exhausting. And it's just not, it's not why we were born. I really don't think that we were put on earth to search with such fervor and just claw our way to partnership at any cost to ourselves, to our mental health, to our bank accounts. I think we were put here for so much more than that. And once you can realize that your life gets to involve so much more than searching for someone else, we have to stop thinking that our lives don't start until we find someone. We have to start 
acting like our lives have already begun. Because um, if you don't, you're, I hate the, I hate the term wasting time, but you really are keeping yourself closed to so many wonderful opportunities when you don't consider yourself to be real until you find someone. Completely. My podcast is called Spinsterhood Reimagined, as you know, and one of the aspects of that podcast is um, about personal growth and personal development, because it's something that I'm borderline slightly obsessed with, to be honest. And I wanted to be able to bring that in as one of the aspects of this podcast, along with being single and being child free, as I like to call it, not childless, child free. And the reason I bring this up is because of what you just said, because I want to ask you now about the reason I'm doing this podcast is because I want to show women if they don't already know it, who are in our kind of situation, who are single and a certain age or whatever. I mean, I'm obviously older than you. But my point is that when it comes down to it, the only thing that matters is how we feel about ourselves. It's how we feel in our own heads. It's not how we feel as part of a couple. It's not how we feel in a relationship. And actually, I've always thought, or certainly in the last 10 years, I've thought, actually, you're in so much of a stronger position if you are good at being alone as opposed to being in a relationship like there's so many more benefits of being the kind of person that can stand on their own two feet and feels complete within themselves without the need of another human being to complete you do you know what I mean but let's talk more about this because obviously my podcast is about wanting spinsters what a freaking horrible word that is but hey (laughs) you'll know what it means um this podcast is 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 basically wanting to make women feel better and bring to the forefront the benefits of being single and the benefits of being child free. So give me your take on the many, 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 many benefits of being alone. Do you know my favorite one? Here's something I haven't heard in 14 years. I don't know. Where do you want to go to dinner? It hasn't happened in 14 years. That has never been said to me. Um, I've never, ever had to compromise on where we're going to dinner with a human being that I'm somehow what responsible for where they have dinner. Fuck off. I just, I, the amount of um, compromising that I haven't done in 14 years is just so gratifying. The, I, I mean, I wish you could see my house right now because it's so completely tailored to what I want it to look like, the stuff that matters to me. This doesn't look like a couple house. This looks like a woman's house. And that makes me really, really happy. It looks like a single woman's house. There's just no compromise. There's so much freedom. There's so much freedom. I think about this every time I book a trip somewhere. No one ever says to me, but we went there last year. Yeah, I did. I'm going to go there next year too. What of it? It's just the the amount of freedom and you don't have to get anybody's buy-in on anything. You don't have to convince anybody to do anything. I mean, that's even before we get to like the patriarchal nature of, of men and women living together and the amount of housework that just naturally falls on a woman because I don't need to tell you what men are like. We all know, like not to totally generalize, but fuck it. I'm generalizing because people have been generalizing <laughs> about what I am for decades. So I don't give a shit. Like the, I don't have to pick up anybody's anything. I don't have to clean anybody's anything. Like it just, this, there's so much joy in what's not happening to me Completely. <laughs> right now. Completely. We never talk about it. We, we just think it's so sad that she doesn't have someone. Is it? Is it? <laughs> it's really not. It's really not. You know what? Speaking of your flat, 
I bet, like my flat, I bet it's always, well, I shouldn't assume this, but I bet it's always beautifully clean and tidy and exactly yes. as you left it when you went out. Yes. Isn't that yes. awesome? I do um, an episode or I'm doing an episode about just all about being child free. And I say on that episode how when lockdown happened in March 2020, everyone was like, oh, the poor single people, they're going to be so alone and lonely. And I was like, like even my sister who has four kids, right? She, um, all, I mean, I adore them all. You know, my sister is like my best friend and I adore her four children more than anything in the whole world. And at one point she was like, would you want to come and live with us? And I was like, respectfully, no. And it's not because I don't adore her and adore them. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that probably a lot of people might have thought that I'd have gone, oh yes, oh yes, please can I come and live with you because otherwise I'm going to be stuck on my own at home. Oh my God, what will I do? But no. So can I just get your take on us poor lowly singletons alone in lockdown, just weeping away in our sort of pajamas and on our pillows? (laughs) Yes. And here's what shocked me the most was that a lot of that assumption of negativity and assumption of sadness was coming from singles ourselves and like completely ignoring the amount of privilege that we were faced with during a time when so many were, were dealing with such hardship involving people in the house who are immunocompromised people in the house who have to do home learning. And suddenly you're not just a parent, you're also a teacher. Well, by the way, maintaining a full-time job somehow, I don't know how that ever worked. So I was seeing singles worried and scared about spending this time alone and how hard that was going to be. And I I just wish that we talked about the benefits of alone time because it isn't an assumed negative. It doesn't have to be this big, scary thing. It can be such a privilege. And if you're a single person and all you can see is the negativity about alone time, I feel like you need to evaluate the ways that you spend your time and maybe the things that you have not tried or explored or thought to learn about, because there are so many things that you can do with your day. If you are single and bored or lonely, honestly, that's on you. And and I don't care if that sounds a bit harsh because um, you know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean. It doesn't to me. And it's funny that you say the word bored because Whenever someone says to me, and this is anyone, single, couple, child, not child, but, you know, an an adult. When anyone says to me, oh, I just, I get so bored. I'm like, literally, I never, ever get bored. How is it possible to ever get bored with the, I mean, okay, I'm not talking about, you know, if I was sort of bedridden or, you know, putting putting those things aside okay normal functioning adults it's it's always amazed me because there is so much to do and when pe- and it's funny and I'm sure you know what I mean when I say this that when pe- people who sort of think oh well what do you do when you're 46 alone and single and childless it's like oh my god there is so much to do right yes you just have to choose to do it you have to choose to stop centering what is missing from your life and start understanding how much is available to you. It is an immense privilege to be healthy and able to pursue interests and hobbies and curiosities and adult education. That is an immense privilege. And to only be able to see what you don't have, to, to look at your life and only be able to center the fact that you don't have a partner. I know we come by that very honestly. I know that is the programming that was bred into us since we were children. I get that. 
but to not even entertain the idea of a choice, to not even entertain the idea that you could be happier. That frustrates me. And that's a big part of what I would like to change. On the subject of the benefits, the great benefits, um, you know, you say the freedom and and that that to me has always been one of the really, really big ones because one of my most important values just in life in general is the concept of freedom. And in fact, the freedom of being single allows us the time to work on ourselves. And like I, like I mentioned just now, I'm kind of obsessed with personal growth and all that sort of side of things. Do you find that as a single girl, you, it, it means that you get to kind of show up in your life as a really great version of yourself? Yeah, I do now. I didn't before. Um, for a good solid 10 years, I was completely shut down to anything other than finding someone. So I've, I've been in both places. And I can say that that opening yourself up to, to everything that, that singlehood affords you in terms of personal growth and time and space and um, like your, your growth doesn't affect anyone when you're single. The things you move past, the things you grow into, no one can look at you and say, I liked you better before. Like that just doesn't happen because- yeah. There's no one here. Um, so it, it is a, an immense luxury to be able to, to focus on on growth and stuff like that. And I guess I, I just, I see this narrative with so many of us, um, those of us in our thirties and forties, just coming into this sort of awakening and as to what life can really entail and how much room you have for growth. I love it. I love that for us. I just mm-hmm. wish it wasn't so fucking necessary. Like how shut down have we all been throughout our whole lives that like all of a sudden we reach a certain age and we're like, shit. I don't know myself well at all. I haven't processed any sort of trauma that I've ever been through. I like, I don't get why that's how we raise women. I don't get why that's how we raise each other. Um, because I can't tell you how many people, how many messages I get from people like you and like me. I am one of these people who was just completely shut down to anything other than finding someone. And I didn't think that I could become the real version of me until I had found someone. And there are so many of us that, that wake up and realize that you don't have to wait for a partner to, to engage in personal growth. I love it. I just wish that it wasn't so universally necessary. Yeah, no, I understand completely what you're saying. Can I ask you, how did you get from being in a position where you were desperate to get a boyfriend because you felt like you needed a man and you needed to get married and that's what you needed to do. How did you get from there to where you are now? How did you make that discovery? Well, first of all, it was very slow and it happened gradually over time. There was no instantaneous change whatsoever, but really what did it was exhaustion. I was just simply exhausted with um, the search for someone else. Um, and never having any sort of return on that investment. I was exhausted with hating my life. I was really, really tired of hating being awake because I hated every waking moment of my day for a variety of reasons. I hated my jobs. I, I mean, there were a lot of things feeding into that, but my singlehood was a huge factor in my own personal um, discomfort and unhappiness. I was just exhausted with feeling so bad all of the time. And I didn't I didn't think that was why I was born. I had to believe that I was here for more than that. And so I sought it out. And as it turns out, I was right. I was here for quite a bit more than that. And things have just gotten slowly better and better over time. That's that's a great thing about reframing the way you think about singlehood. It proves to you that you're right over and over and over again. And it keeps unlocking new levels of joy and happiness. If you show up for a happy singlehood, it will show up for you right back. I really want to reiterate that because um, 
it's this isn't a gamble <laughs> where where dating is a huge gamble reframing singlehood for yourself is not a gamble it does actually work it does make you feel better it does make you feel more whole and more valid more adult more real um it will show up for you right back if you give it the chance to be a valid way to live a happy way to live it will show you that you were right for giving it that chance yeah 100% i i i completely relate i feel as though i might be alone forever and when i say that i don't mean it with like oh i think i might be alone forever i just mean i think i might be alone forever and one of the main reasons for that is because i value my single life so much that the thought of giving that up is is so huge to me that i can't actually fathom the idea of just being a person who just remains single i mean i'm quite sure that at some point i'll get into another relationship as will you blah 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 that's obviously going to happen at some point however i feel like i've kind of made peace with that and i feel like i know that if i do end up i'm doing air quotes because you know end up it's like the whole still air quote single um i feel like I know that I'll be okay because I know that I'm okay in myself. So my question to you was, is that something that you've thought about yourself? And if so, what are the thoughts that go with that? I mean, of course I thought about maybe I'll be alone forever. Okay. Don't threaten me with a good time. I mean, really <laughs> what's so bad about it? What is so bad about all of this freedom and all of this lack of compromise and and a life that I've built for myself that's really comfortable and fun and and lucky? I don't understand what's so bad about having that forever. And I'll tell you this, that I know I can have forever. A marriage, people that say, oh, this is forever. Good luck because it's a coin toss. I know that I can be happy forever. If I am alone forever, I know I can be happily so. I know that's a possibility because I prove that to myself every day. And it's the relationship that is that is far more of a gamble. Um, and you're right. I do think that anybody who wants a relationship at one point, yes, I think we'll have them. Absolutely. I don't think that we're asking for anything astronomical. Remember, we're asking for something that most of the world does all of the time. It's not that rare. We're not that weird. Not Sorry. That yeah. You know what I mean? It's just... Uh, yeah. I have no fear of being alone forever because I don't think that says anything negative about me. I don't think that says anything negative about my future. So I don't have any fear there. I really don't. And it's a, it's a glorious freedom to be able to to get to a place like that in your mind. Um, It's a beautifully freeing thing. That's, I mean, that's why I wrote a whole book. That's why I will write many books because being able to have zero fear of your future lets you fully live in your present And um, it's a gift that you give yourself. It's a gift that I wish more singles would give themselves. Completely. I know that you will have heard of Bella de Paolo. And for any listeners, she's a, how do I describe Bella de Paolo? She's a, she's a university lecturer, researcher. She is, I mean, I, my dream is to get Bella de Paolo. Well, one of my dreams is to get Bella de Paolo on, on this podcast. The other dream is to get Jennifer Aniston on this podcast. That's my like, that's my big crazy dream. But you know, Bella de Paolo talks about, and I love this. I love this phrase. She talks about being single at heart. And I sometimes feel that I'm kind of single at heart. Do you ever feel like that yourself? No. I don't, I don't think that I have to uh, make that choice. I, yeah. I think it's perfectly cool to want a relationship, to want a partner. I think it's perfectly cool to want to be in love. Cause I think that's, that's fantastic. Um, I don't think that I'm single at heart. I really don't identify with 
someone who is uh, choosing to be single forever or somebody who feels like single is the correct way for them to be forever. I feel equal about both singlehood and couplehood. Uh, So no, I think, um, I think any way that, that my life shows up for me, I'm, I'm into that. Now, obviously this podcast is called Spinsterhood Reimagined and, and it's encompasses both being single and not having kids. Can I ask you, where are you on that whole thing? I am child-free by choice, meaning I do not want to have children for, I would say the majority of my life. I still, I started like admitting to myself that I didn't want kids in my early thirties. And I started saying it out loud in my mid thirties. Um, for the majority of my life, I moved forward through it thinking that I wanted kids because that's just what you do. You grow up, you get married and have kids. That's what you do. I had no reason to ever challenge that. And when I started seeing my friends have kids and I started spending time with my friends who have kids and seeing the realities of parent life, I started to not want that. Everything I saw about parenthood, I didn't want. You know, everyone thinks that that being around parents and being around their kids is supposed to spark some sort of jealousy within single women. And maybe it does. And I feel for you if it does. But for me, it did just the opposite. The more time I spent with parents and children, the further I was pushed away from parenthood. And the more I started to feel suffocated, the more I started to feel like my life was ending because I was getting closer and closer and closer to the time at which I would have to have children. And I felt like somebody was squeezing me by the neck. And I I just, one, I do, that was one light bulb moment. I do remember just, just being in my house one day and just thinking, oh my God, I don't have to. I don't have to have kids. That's not required of me. I don't have to. And on the subject of personal growth, my early thirties were like the first time I ever felt like my life really belonged to just me. The first time I had ever just acknowledged that I was in charge of my own life, that it wasn't my family. It wasn't my parents. It was, it wasn't my boss. It was just me. And then I was thinking, Oh God, I'm going to have to have a baby. And then they're in charge of me because whether you like it or not, they are sorry. You make a person, they're in charge of you because you are responsible for keeping them alive. So they're in charge of you. Um, And I just didn't want that. I didn't want to finally acquire the sense of independence and freedom and then forfeit it to a child, especially not understanding why I would be having one because I felt so physically um, repelled every time I was around parents and kids. And by the way, I love children. And I love my friend's children. I love playing with them. I love reading books with them. I love doing crafts with them. I love being an auntie. Auntiehood is very much my shit. I absolutely love being an aunt. But the idea of being a mother and seeing the realities of motherhood, I can't, like even thinking about it now, I just, I couldn't breathe. I could not breathe. And that told me that it just is not for me. And when I acknowledged that I didn't have to do it and that it was okay to not want to do it, I could breathe again. And um, I'm, I'm very lucky in that my, my family, specifically my mother, has been very, very supportive of that. Very supportive of that. So, um, yeah, it's just, it's just not for me. It just isn't. And it's, it's the biggest hurdle for me in creating content for single women because there is a perspective that I will never hold because many members of my audience, and I'm sure yours, want to have children. And that's a moment of connection that I feel a little bit distant from them. But I try to, to bring on guests and I try to include um, as many different voices in the uh, motherhood space as possible for them, because it is a really valid feeling to not just want a partner, but to want a co-parent and the amount of pressure that that can pile on top of dating, which is already a very pressured situation. It just asks so much. It asks too much of the dating space itself. It asks too much of people 
but I didn't want it for me. I really didn't want it for me. And I have felt so good since I acknowledged that uh, permission to not have kids. Have you ever felt, um, because I think there is a stigma sometimes around women who choose not to have children. Have you ever felt that? Of course. I must be so cold or broken. What happened to you, Shaney, that you don't want to be a mom? Did you have a really horrible, traumatic childhood? What happened to you? It's just assumed that something bad happened to me that encouraged me to not want kids. I don't know why women's preferences always have to have a reason. Um, I just don't want to have kids. I just don't want them. I'm simply not a mother. And if that's hard for people to comprehend, tough shit. Like I don't have to convince people. I don't have to justify my decision. My decision affects no one. In fact, my decision positively impacts the environment. So I really won't hear it. Yeah. I know, I know you've got to go soon because you are a busy lady, but before we wrap up, I just want you to tell everyone about your book and about your podcast, how they can listen to you, where they can find the book, where they can buy the book. So the book is called A Single Revolution. Don't look for a match light one. And it's it's a book I needed to write. I needed to create something that people could hold in their hands and have in their homes and refer to anytime they needed it as a source of support. Because again, I just didn't see um I didn't see anything created for single people that that gave us any kind of of encouragement or or positivity or support or anything. And I wanted it to be with us. I wanted it to be in someone's hands. I wanted them to be able to, to mark it up, to highlight it, to make it their own essentially. And I tried for years to get a book published and, and that never happened. And uh, so I finally decided to publish the book myself and I'm really proud of myself. I'm really glad that I did. And I'm, I'm really sort of taken aback by the response to it and by um, it's just been a wonderful thing to see it out in the world and to see people enjoying it and reading it and sharing it. It's just, it's overwhelmingly great. And it's, it's just another example, I think of what is meant for you will not miss you and how um, this was the right way for me to go about creating a book. It was, it was better for me to do it on my own. It was the right way for it to happen. Again, I I think, I think we're protected. And I think um, I was being protected from writing a book in a way that wasn't super authentic to me, but self-publishing was very authentic to me. And I got to write exactly the book I wanted to write. It didn't have to make anyone else happy, but me. And hopefully it is the supportive, nurturing message that uh, I want it to be. How was the process of writing that book and how long did it take you? Um, the process was insane. And it's, I mean, it's not anything that I would recommend. I wrote the book in a month and that's, it was, it was the most insane month of my entire life. It was, I don't recommend it. I would never do it that way again. I was just- reason for writing it within a month. My God, that is, Wow. A lot of things. There were a lot of reasons that I did it that way. The company that I used to produce the book needed it by a certain date if it was going to be published in 2021. And I wanted, I didn't want to wait another year. Um, I also, I mean, my, this is very personal to me, but like my cat passed away and I sort of used writing a book as a way to mourn um, and just take my mind off things and um, feel better. Uh, So that was a big motivator, but also I was just done waiting. I was just done waiting to be an author. I was done waiting to fulfill this childhood dream of mine. I was like, that's it. We're doing this. This is happening. And also I had built a proposal for the book years ago. And so it was essentially already outlined and already planned. I just had to write the thing. So yeah, that's, that's how I did it. And wherever you are in the world, you should be able to find it on Amazon. That's incredible. Guys, if you have not read this book, 
you have to buy it. You have to read it if you are single. Um, that is an absolute must. Now, in addition to the book, of course, the podcast. Perfect. Yes, a single serving podcast. That's mine. You have to listen to this podcast. Thank you Carry so on. much. Thank you. It's no. turning three years old in April, which is so wild to me. Um, yeah, the the podcast is a, is a precursor to the book for sure. I woke up one day and I was listening to a podcast and I thought I could do this shit. Like I was just listening to someone and, and every other sentence was just like these two women saying, um, I think for me, I, yeah, I think for me, I think for me, I think for me. And I was like, you've got to be kidding. This is like a really well-known, successful podcast. I can do this. I can have conversations that people would want to listen to. I can, I can help people change the way they think and feel about being single through conversations. Like I can do this. And as soon as I decided that I could do it, I did it. And yeah, I've been doing it for three years and it's wonderful to connect with an audience in this way. I feel very, very lucky that, that I get to do this. So yeah, the podcast publishes every Monday morning on Patreon and I'll give you a link to it if you want to use that, but it's just yeah. um, patreon.com no, no, no. backslash Shaney Silver, I think. Yeah, cool. And I'll definitely put that in the show notes. Um, well, thank you so, so, so much for coming on. Um, it's been a complete joy to talk to you and yes, on a subject that both you and I are very passionate about. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much to the wonderful Shaney Silver. I really hope that you guys got some value out of that conversation. I think she is fabulous. I will put her details in the show notes, so please do go there to get some more information about her. She is brilliant. Well, that's all from me for this week. And I very much look forward to seeing you back here this time next week. But in the meantime, remember, one day I'm going to get Jennifer Aniston on this podcast. Have a great week. Bye.